0: So as you're praying for your children and you see, to you, it feels like your prayer is not being answered and they are struggling, God can work so much more in our struggle than he can in our comfort and ease. It could be that God is making that child to be who he wants that child to be. And struggle is a part of the process. So he is answering your prayer, but it's not through comfort and ease. It's through that struggle. So don't give up praying. You keep praying. I want to assure you. God is working.
1: Welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast by Faith and Gather. I'm your host, Erica Dvorak. Join me and the Faith and Gather community as we become faith-inspired to tackle the messy and embrace the beautiful areas of life. We're going to meet you right where you're at, right when you need it, by helping you live a less stressed, more joy-filled life lived by bold faith and walking in obedience. You have a God-sized calling, but you don't have to choose between your sanity or juggling at all. Will keep you one step ahead armed with knowledge to fight your everyday battles and live a life faith inspired because faith is not just a belief it's a lifestyle we all know that being a parent is a privilege and a responsibility like no other as christian moms we're not just shaping human beings but eternal souls. And that's where our greatest superpower comes into play. Prayer. Sharon Janes, a conference speaker and the author of 26 books, including her newest release, Praying for Your Child from Head to Toe, a 30-day guide to powerful and effective scripture-based prayer, created a truly life-changing resource that guides us on this incredible journey of praying for our children. In this episode, Sharon takes us through 16 essential areas of our child's life. From their thoughts to their burdens, from their gifts to the path ahead. Imagine being able to pray for your child's mind, eyes, ears, shoulders, gifts, and relationships with intention and confidence. Sharon's unique head-to-toe pattern makes prayer a natural habit that we can infuse into our daily lives. So join Sharon and me as we explore why prayer is especially important for our children today and how we practically pray for them daily that covers them from head to toe. Hey Sharon, welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast.
0: It is so good to be here with you this morning.
1: Yeah, it is such a pleasure to have you on. I have read so many articles and so many devotionals written by you on Proverbs 31 crosswalk and then honestly this morning all of a sudden it popped in my head i was like oh my gosh sharon writes girlfriends and gods and i've been reading that for like a decade now and i hadn't even thought about it i guess i just never looked at the the author written <laughs> section and just like and then all of a sudden i think it was the holy spirit he's like erica you're interviewing Sharon. She's written these things you've been reading for a decade, which was just Aww. such a cool moment for me. I was like, God, you're so good. Like, how <laughs> fun is that? Like 10 years ago, Erica me would be like, what? Like that I get to meet face to face with Sharon and have a conversation. How cool is he?
0: A J- Mama, just like you, girl, just a little bit further <laughs> down the road than you. That's all. <laughs>
1: oh, thank you. I love that. So we today are going to be talking about your new book that you just wrote called Praying for Your Child from Head to Toe, a 30-Day Guide to Powerful and Effective Scripture-Based Prayer, which by the way is so cute, so stinking cute. I love the colors (laughs) as a marketer. I just always have to comment on that because... I just love the colors and it's so visually appealing, which is nice as a woman. But it also, the most important part is that it's filled with just empowering prayers that we can pray for our children. So I would love for you to get us started by really giving a background of who you are and then why you wrote this book right now.
0: Well, um, 10 years ago, when you first started reading The Girlfriends and God Devotions, I wrote a book called Praying for Your Husband from Head to Toe. This book is patterned pretty much after that same book because moms were saying, oh, I need one of these for my, praying for my children. I need to pray this for my adult children. So that's kind of where this one was born. A little bit about myself, live in the South, as you can certainly tell, and I worked with Proverbs 31 Ministries. I was uh, vice president there for 10 years and then uh, started writing books on my own. I'm still at Proverbs 31, writing devotions for encouragement for today but not in leadership there, but still love, love, love Proverbs. But this is book number 26. So um, I've been writing a lot over the past quarter of a century. You know, I think we only have to look at the paper, listen to the news to see that our kids are under attack today as never before. Um, We read the statistics, see the statistics on, on the nightly news about the school shootings. I mean, there were 51 last year. I mean, that is just crazy. And then I read another statistic that there were 167 um, since 2018. I mean, Erica, when did we start even counting that? I mean, it's just amazing. And then we've got all the other statistics that we read about with our children. That suicide is the second leading cause of death with children, adolescents, and young adults between 15 and 24. And there's so much stress on our kids and just what the culture is telling them, which is a lot of times, just the total opposite of what we're telling them in our very own homes. So I asked moms, you know, what is it that you are worried about today? What are you struggling with? And some of these things came up and, and also the, the peer pressure. I mean, when I grew up, there was peer pressure. I think there's always been peer pressure since there were two people in the world. But it is so different today than it was you know, maybe 15 years ago. And that is because of social media. And people have this exponential effect that it has on kids today, comparing their insides with somebody else's outsides and wanting to fit in. And they're getting all these messages. And it's just so hard. I cannot imagine growing up with all the stress of social media. And we know, Erica, too, that this is not just the pressure that they're receiving in school or preschool, playground, school bus. This is pressure that they're receiving in their privacy of their own bedrooms as they pick up that cell phone and pick up that iPad and look and see what other people are doing. And I know you have a little boy that just turned five. And I have been amazed at my four-year-old nieces. They're already concerned about some of the things that they're seeing and the questions that they're asking. Um, It's just astounding to me. And I'm thinking, how did you even know? to ask that question. So we see that stress comes very early. But here's the thing, Erica, the Bible tells us that we are not fighting a battle of flesh and blood. You know, that that scripture in Ephesians 6 that talks about putting on the full armor of God. And again, that's a head to toe example right there, starting with the helmet of salvation and going all the way down to the feet shod with the gospel of peace. But in that scripture, it says that we are not fighting a physical war, but we are fighting a spiritual war. So that means we need to fight with spiritual weapons, which is prayer and the word of God. And Paul goes on to tell us in Second Corinthians 10, 3-4, uh, that there's a battle going on. And he says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And I love that that word "divine power," the actual Greek word, which was what the New Testament was written in Greek, Old Testament mainly in Hebrew. But that that word "divine power" is where is dunamos, and it's where we get the word dynamite. So, what is dynamite? It's when you combine nitrogen and glycerin, and boom, you've got dynamite. And when we pray, the Word of God. We've got those two elements, where prayer and the word of God, boom, we've got dynamite to demolish those strongholds. So that's why we are praying the word of God. And as I've mentioned, all this, the struggles and the things that parents think about right now, the safety, what they're hearing in school, depression, the effect of the culture, gender confusion, trying to fit in, being accepted, turning away from what they're learning at home and the church and maybe turning toward what they're hearing. We can't be everywhere. We just can't. But here's the good news, Erica, is that God can. So we're going to be praying for these children from top to bottom.
1: Amen. Amen. Yes, the devil has just, he's a fight for our children's lives right now. He's a fight for all of our lives. I hear from so many women right now who just feel like they're under a spiritual attack. And I really believe that The devil is trying to break us down and he's getting to the children. You know, they're so impressionable right now. And like you said, I can't even imagine having social media at that young of age. It's tough myself, a 38 year old, to have to deal with the mental game that social media plays on me, let alone a child who just physically is not developed yet in their brain to understand things and make mature decisions. And then just having all that information coming to them when they're at a more vulnerable state in their life. I just, I can't imagine that. So it is so imperative to wage this war against the devil and just grab hold of what we can and what we know. And that's God's word in prayer. And I recently went through a very strong spiritual battle of my own. Um, Susie Larson was just so generous to come onto the podcast. And at the same time, I was going through this battle and we spoke through it. And I mean, she is the spiritual warfare gal. And so, (laughs) I mean, her number one, she is so good, so good. And God was so good to me to have that conversation with her at that time. But it was so real to me now that we get this kind of cliche message of like, oh, just pray about it. Or or the question would be like, well, why is prayer so important? And then people just say, oh, because the Bible tells us to kind of thing. It's like, no, prayer is important because this is what we can do to wage this war. And it is, like you said, it is not something we fight here on earth. It is something that we fight in the spiritual realm. And so that is our dynamite to make sure that we can break through. So I'm so excited to just dive in really into, you said head to toe, which is what your book does as well. It goes through head to toe, these different areas of our child's life and even like body that we can pray for. And so I'd love for you to just speak into that and really talk through those
0: different areas and elements. I want to say one thing that I just want to give a real big amen to that you just said. You know, I think people say, well, just pray about it well first of all just and pray should never be in the same sentence because it's not just praying when you are praying you are bringing god's will that it says in the word down from heaven to earth and prayer is the conduit which god's power is released and his will is brought to earth in heaven and i think it's the enemy who says just pray about it i think what he's doing is making it seem like it's just a little thing You know, it's just a little thing. Prayer's not not a big thing. And I remember 20 years ago reading Henry Black of his book, Experiencing God, and he said, prayer is the work. And that has always stuck with me because it's through prayer that the enemy's plans are intercepted, principalities and authorities are defeated. Through prayer, the power and provisions of God flows into the lives of his people. So it's the enemy who wants us to think it's not a big deal. The other thing about when somebody says, just pray about it, I don't know what comes to your mind, but for me, for the longest time, I would think, yeah, but I don't even know what to pray. I mean, I don't even, I don't know how to pray. You know, God bless Stephen. I mean, well, really, God protect Stephen? Yes. But I didn't really have the words to pray. So praying scripture, you don't have to wonder what to pray because you know, when you pray the word of God, you're praying the will of God. And so praying scripture just helped me so much know what to pray. So let's go through these sixteen um, landmarks together. And I want to tell, I want to say this at the beginning. As I go through this, it's going to take us longer to talk about it than it will to actually do it and pray it. So each day, these thirty days in the book, which I just keep repeating over and over, but the thirty days, each day has each one of these sixteen landmarks in it. So, you're praying scripture from the mind all the way down to the feet. And just to give you some hope here, it only takes about five to seven minutes a day. So, we're going to talk about it a lot longer than it takes to do it. So, don't worry, you can do this. So, we're going to start at the mind, starting at the very top, praying about what our children think about, because we know that what our children think about is ultimately going to be what they are about. And as we talk about social media and as as babies are born, their minds from the very beginning are absorbing information into that sweet, precious mind. And then the information is being processed in that mind. So we want to pray for what is coming into that child's mind. The word tells us, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. So sometimes as parents, Erica, you've got a five-year-old, so you've already gone through the terrible twos. And we tend to pray about behavior, right? Listen, we do, that with, we do that all the way through childhood. We tend to pray about the behavior. But suppose we could back it up a little bit and pray about the mind that will determine what that behavior will be. So we're going to be praying for the mind, what comes into the mind, what rattles around in their mind, and pray for their thinking. We're starting at the top because everything else just comes from that. So then after we pray for the mind, the second thing we're going to pray for are the eyes, what they look at. It's very different what you see and what you look at. And we can't always determine what comes across a screen or, or what passes by, what they see in the storefront, what they see people doing. We can't always be in control of that. But we can pray about what they look at what they stop and stare at and ponder and begin to process. So when we pray for their eyes, we are praying what's going into their mind through the portal of their eyes, what they're seeing. And then we move to the ears, and this is what they listen to, who they listen to, what they listen to, what they're listening to in school, on the playground, again, social media, on the computer, in music, what they, they listen to on television what they listen to. Again, sometimes you can't control what they hear. They're going to hear what's going on in the world, but you can pray about what they stop and listen to and process and how that affects their mind. And then we're moving down to the mouth. We know the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we're going to be praying about the words that our children speak, that they speak good words and not bad words. They speak life and not death. And I want to say something here too, Erica. You know, we're praying about the words that our children speak. However, remember that saying, "You monkey see, monkey do, monkey do the same as you. I mean, that's been around since I don't know how long. But the truth is our our kids are listening to us. They're watching us and we can pray about the words that they speak. But if we're not speaking life, then most likely they will follow suit. If we're grumbling, they're going to pick up on that. They're going to grumble. If we use curse words, they're probably going to pick up on that too. So we want to make sure that as we're praying for all of these areas, especially as we stop here on the words they speak, that we are giving them a good example of what speaking life, having godly speech looks like, sounds like. So we're praying for the words that they speak. Now that's a whole lot. That's just the head right there. I think the one thing
1: that came to my mind was We're praying for all these things and we can't stop them from seeing everything that they see. You know, right now, as we record this, my kids are at school and sometimes my son will come home and say something and I'm like, we did not teach you that. And he goes to a Christian school. You know, it's just you don't know how the children are being influenced that he's coming into contact to. And it just amazes me that whatever he sees or whatever he hears, we can pray for God to just really wrap that and make sure that. Even if he or our children enter a situation where they experience that, God has the ability to blind him from that. God has the ability to have him not hear that. For example, for me, I went down and got some prayer at church a couple of weeks ago. And it was during this time when I was having this spiritual attack. And the gentleman who was praying for me kept apologizing for these women that were talking in the corner. I didn't hear any of it, Sharon. I couldn't hear any of it. Because God was literally keeping me from hearing that so that I could focus on what the gentleman was saying that was praying for me and just be in that moment. And so God has that ability to blind our children from things, even if they come across it or stop them from hearing something, even if they're there and actually are supposed to hear it. And so he can have that supernatural effect on that situation. And then also, you know, we're talking about the mind where, you know, he can equip them so even if it does sink in, that they can make that mature decision and have their faith as that foundation and really make a decision that is more on the path that God would want them to follow.
0: Absolutely. I have another book called Enough Silencing the Lies That Steal Your Confidence. And I talk a lot about spiritual warfare in that book, and they're going to have lies spoken into their lives. And it's difficult for a five-year-old, but You know, I talk in that book about recognizing the enemy's true identity, recognizing the lie, rejecting the lie, and replacing that lie with truth. Now, for a little child, they might not know a lot of scripture to be able to replace that lie with truth, but we can pray that God will speak to that child and for them to know that is not true. That is not true. The child of a niece heard another four-year-old say something and that was... Not true, it did not line up with biblical principles, and she just knew in her heart that wasn't right, there was something not right with that. So she asked her mother, and her mother says, You know what, that is legal, but it's not biblical, it's not in the Bible, and it's wrong, even though it's legal. She just knew she heard that and she thought that just doesn't feel right. So that's something we can pray too as we're praying for what they listen to and what they see that they will be convicted and their little spirits to know that's not true. That is not right. And then hopefully ask their moms about it or their fathers about it. Then when they get older, they will have that firm foundation to know. they have the ability to turn away, to not listen because they know it doesn't line up with the truth. Let's move down to the next. The neck's kind of funny. I'm like, the neck, really? And um, I have to be honest with you. I'll tell you this because you're my friend. A long time ago, there was a movie, The Big Fat Greek Wedding. Do you remember that? Were you born Yes, Yes, I was. I was, yes. But there was a funny scene when um, the daughter was talking about the husband being the head of the home. And then the mother said, yes but the wife is the neck that turns the head. And that was such a funny little scene to me. So I thought, you know what? The neck does turn the head. So let's pray for that neck that turns the head of these children because the neck is what connects the head to the rest of the body. And it's what the head turns on. So it's going to determine how we make our decisions. And, you know, one of the the weightiest gifts that God ever gave us or responsibilities that he gave us was the gift of choice at creation. Sometimes I wish I didn't have choice. I wish I would just automatically do exactly what God wants me to do and not have to make that choice. But that's not how he created us. So from the very beginning, we have the ability to make choices, to turn our heads one way or the other. And we know that decisions determine destinies and choices create histories. And that's true if we're talking about world history or the history of our children and the decisions that they make. So we're going to be praying that they will turn their head and make good decisions, godly decisions, and not make ungodly decisions that perhaps line up with the culture, but they'll stick to making choices that will lead them into godly behavior. Now After the neck, we're going to go down to the shoulders, and this is burdens and worries. Let me ask you this. You said your son just turned five. Have you seen already in this precious little person him worrying about anything?
1: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. All the time. Actually, we are going through some therapy for some anxiety things that it's innately built in him, which has been so surprising that even as a young child, these things can come in. And so, absolutely, worry has been something that by the grace of God, he is breaking through these barriers. And I mean, it's amazing. Like that's been so, so good. So there really isn't concern there anymore, but um, it was amazing to me that worry would just infiltrate a child. I even, even this morning, actually. So my daughter, she woke up super early and she was crying. I thought she just lost her passy. No judgment here, guys. She still has a passy at 20 some (laughs) months because she hasn't lost all her teeth yet, but (laughs) we'll get there. And I thought that um, she had lost her passy, but I think that she had a bad dream because she was holding on to me when I picked her up. She just like held on to me and clung on to me and would not let me go. And so I think it's just something that we're born with is that fear. And to answer your question, long-winded, absolutely.
0: That's what the point I wanted to make is that children start worrying at such an early age. I was talking to a little four-year-old and she said she got a new guinea pig. She loved her guinea pig. And I said, well, I had a guinea pig when I was four years old. And then she got really serious. She said, well, what happened to him? Did he die? And, and do guinea pigs go to heaven? I mean, all of a sudden, she just had this worry over a guinea pig. And I thought, oh my goodness, it starts so early. So we need to pray for our children as they worry. And again, they're going to worry. That's going to happen. So we're going to be praying about what they do with that worry, how they handle that worry. And when a scripture says, cast all your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. And that's why we're talking about the shoulders, because we've heard that saying, got the weight of the world on their shoulders. So we're going to be praying that they'll cast those burdens and cares off their shoulders and give them to God. We see how the burdens and worries change uh, as the child grows older and the the worries get bigger. It's not just about their guinea pig passing away, but they start worrying about tests and grades, whether or not they're accepted by their peers. Girls are worrying about being accepted by their female peers. Boys are worried about, am I tough enough? And then they start worrying about girlfriend, boyfriend things and friendships. And they worry about violence in schools, which I never had to worry about. And they worry about bullying and, again, pandemics. That's a new worry. So all kinds of worry that children have from birth to empty nest, going into college, so many concerns. So we're going to be praying about that stress. Studies show that stress has risen um, about 45% over the past 30 years with kids. So before, they didn't worry as much as they do now. um, But now there's so much worry. And I've seen it just increase since the pandemic. Um, Peter encourages us, as I mentioned, 1 Peter 5, 7, write it down and give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you. And I want to say that to the parent who's listening today as well. We've got an almighty God who loves your children more than you do. So we can cast those cares. Cast means to throw it down. It's not just lay it gently down, but to throw it down, give it to God, cast it to God's shoulders and listen, he can carry that burden.
1: I think one of the uh, quotes in your book that I just loved, and I was thinking of a few girlfriends in particular because we talk about this, we have a, a mom's group, and this quote just struck me. It was, neither you nor I will ever be the perfect parent, but we can be praying parents to a perfect God. Praying turns an ordinary parent into a powerful force, and I think that goes along so well with worry because we worry about our children so much. I know I do, and just knowing that I am praying to a perfect God, one means that I don't have to be perfect in terms of like raising them. I can just do the best I can, but also God's going to take care of them in all the areas where I can't reach them. I've actually seen this recently a few different times, and it's been just so comforting to me. My son, Benton, had a little friend's birthday party, and there was, I don't know how old the child was, maybe it was a crawling stage child, and she was on the deck, and somebody had accidentally dropped a piece of carrot on the ground, and her family was chatting, not paying attention, and I was eating my pizza, and all of a sudden, I believe the Holy Spirit just prompted me to look at this child and notice that there was a piece of orange coloring in her mouth, and I looked at her grandma, and I was like, does she have a carrot in her mouth? And she's like, oh my gosh. So we both went and grabbed her and I was able to grab the carrot out of her mouth. But if no one had noticed, she probably would have choked on that carrot. But the Holy Spirit was there to prompt me, not her family, to look. And I've seen that happen so much with my children as well recently when there would be situations where it would get them in trouble. Somebody else has noticed for me. And so knowing that we can pray to God, God has got our backs, He's got our children's backs, and we don't have to worry. We
0: can just give it to Him. I have just got to share this right now because God just used you in the life of another child that was not your own. And Erica, I I want you to know that I was not raised in a Christian home. I did not have praying parents. It was a pretty rough environment. My parents fought a lot. There was a lot of alcohol. A lot of things went on behind the door of that pretty home in that really nice neighborhood. But there was another mother on the next block. She was one of my best friend's mom's and she prayed for me. She took me under her wing when I was about 12 years old, and she mentored me and told me about Jesus. I started going to church with them. I'd spend the night on Saturday and go to church with them on Sunday. And my family, I want to say this, as bad as we were um, with the alcohol, pornography, my dad hit my mom. We went to church on Sunday, and we had a religion in our lives. But I started going to church with this other family, and I saw At first, I thought they were a little odd because they talked about Jesus like they knew him personally. And that was strange to me, but I wanted to know about that. So I went to church with them, saw there were a lot of people that talked about Jesus like they knew him personally. And I don't think I could have articulated it at 12. But what I was seeing was the difference between having a religion in your life and having a relationship with Jesus. And I wanted that. So this woman mentored me, started a Bible study in the neighborhood for young teenagers. And when I was 14, she asked me if I was ready to accept Jesus as my Savior. And I did. And he did forever change my life. The cherry on top of that cake is that three years later, my mom accepted Christ. And three years after that, my mean father gave his life to the Lord and became one of the sweetest men I've ever known. So look at that. This was a mom praying for a child that was not her own. So as you get these prayers and you're praying these prayers over your child, God is going to bring other children into your life to pray these prayers for also. Sometimes they may be your children's friends. And for you, if God intervened right there and opened your eyes to see what was happening with this child and you acted. That was uh, just the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And the Holy Spirit will speak to us as well when we see other children come into our our children's lives. You know, honestly, when I was 14, I'm not sure I would have wanted my Christian daughter hanging around with the likes of me. But this mother saw something, and I'm sure it was God uh, prompting her to pray for me. And she did. So there might be kids that come into your children's life that you want to pray away. But I want to say that maybe God wants you to pray them into the kingdom. So it's not just about praying for our own children. It's about praying for other children as well. And I am a product of a mother's prayer that was not my home. That's
1: such a good word, such a good word. And I've had families in my life too who have influenced me that way. So it's not all on our shoulders. And Sharon, oh my gosh, look at what God has done in and through you and how that has affected other people's lives just by one praying mom, taking that chance to really breathe life into you that child that he spoke to her about. And then now look at what God has done.
0: That's amazing. And she's in her 90s now. She's still this side of heaven. But um, yeah, she's really something. I'm very thankful, very thankful for her. Well, let's get back to these 16 landmarks. Now we're going to pray for their hearts. And I think the heart and the mind is very connected. The Bible says that the heart is a wellspring of life and everything comes from it. But the heart and the mind are so connected. We're going to be praying about what they love and who they love. Then we're going to pray for their back, and that's their physical and spiritual protection. That kind of goes back to how we started our conversation. We are not fighting a war of flesh and blood, but of principalities and a spiritual warfare. So we're praying for that spiritual warfare, that I love to say surrounding what surrounds them. Remember the prophet when he and his servant were hiding and then they, the servant woke up the next morning and saw that they were surrounded by the enemy. And then the prophet prayed that God would open the enemy's eyes. And when he did, he saw that, yes, they were surrounded by the enemies. And then God's warring angels were surrounding the enemies. So I, I'd love to think of it that God is surrounding What is surrounding us? Another thing I love about that story, too, is that those angels were already there. The prophet just prayed that God would open his eyes to see it. So that's what we need to remember. Those angels are already there, praying for what is surrounding them and praying for their protection and not just spiritually. I mean, we're not going to go just all spiritually. There's a physical realm that we live in, too. So we are praying for their physical protection as well. And we'll see that time and time again. Again, that example you just gave, spiritual protection, yes, but physical protection from that little girl choking. So we're going to pray for their protection, and then we're going to pray for their arms. So we're coming down, we've got the back, and we're praying for their arms. And all through the Bible, we see that arms are related to strength, we've about the arm of God, the strength of God. So we're going to be praying for these children to be spiritually strong, physically strong, strong, and emotionally strong. We're going to pray for their strength in all three areas of their lives, emotionally, physically, spiritually strong. Then we're going to pray for their hands. These are the, the gifts and talents that they have, that they will be able to discover their God-given gifts and talents. And then they will use those and develop those for God's glory. And then we're praying for the ring finger. And you have a daughter at this time, is not quite two yet have you prayed for the child's spouse? I bet you have. I mean, I've started praying for my son's spouse very, very early.
1: You know what's so funny, Sharon, is that I'd heard that before. And literally a couple of days ago, God just told me like to start praying for their spouses. And I just got so intense in the prayer. It started (laughs) off as like, oh, you know, I'm just praying for little baby so-and-so right now. And and then all (laughs) of a sudden I just got like into praying for them as like, a teenager, an adult, and I was just like visualizing what they may look like. And it got intense in a beautiful way of like the realization of I need to start praying for these children because they're going to be my family and I'm going to love them just as much as I love my children. And so I don't know what their life is, but they may be in a tough home right now battling some really intense spiritual things as they grow up. And I need to protect them with my prayers, you know, help that if they don't have people in their lives, just like that mother did for you, I need to take action and do that for those children that are going to be in my life and are going to be the spouses of my children one day. And so I love when I read this part, I was like, yes, this was just like confirming for me. Like I absolutely want to do this.
0: Can you imagine how fun it's gonna be when you do meet your child's future spouse to be able to tell them that you've been praying for them their whole life? I'm just gonna ball. (laughs) (laughs) That is gonna mean so much. It's gonna be awesome. Well, after we're praying for their their spouse, we're gonna move to other relationships. So we're gonna move down to their side, praying for their side, and that is influential relationships. That's who's walking side by side them through life. We're gonna be praying for their friends other relationships. We're going to be praying for their teachers, actually, anyone who's walking in a close relationship with your child. And we know that that bad character corrupts good morals. So we're praying that they will have some Christian friends, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had those three friends, just like Jonathan and David, like Ruth and Naomi, that they'll have a Christian friend that can walk with them throughout life. But they're not going to be in a bubble. So we also want to pray for those friends that they have that are not Christians, that our children will be a good influence on them. So that's exactly what happened with me. Someone was a good influence on me. So we're praying for those people that are walking with them on throughout life. And then we're praying for their sexuality. Now when we get to sexuality, we're praying for their spiritual purity and their sexual identity, that they won't have the identity confusion in their life, that they'll celebrate who God created them to be at birth. And honestly, with all this, this is not my opinion. I'm just praying God's word. We're just praying scripture here. So that's what we're praying in both of these areas, that they'll remain sexually pure till marriage and that they'll celebrate the gender of their birth, that they'll know that they were created, like it says in Psalm 139, fearfully and wonderfully made and that God was knitting them together in their mother's womb and he did not make a mistake. Then we're going to pray for their legs. That's their stand on godly principles. And courage comes hand in hand with this because as they're standing on godly principles throughout life, standing on truth throughout life, they are going to need courage to do that in this world where everybody's running toward this cliff and they're going to have to have the courage to turn and walk the other way. And one of the things that I say is that if they do not stand on truth, the world becomes a very confusing place, and the undertow of uncertainty can pull them out to sea with the riptide of questions and shifting tides of change. As we know, we've seen it in our lifetime, what was once illegal is now legal. What was once wrong is now right. I mean, I was so upset from Pluto. They said Pluto wasn't a planet anymore. I can't think. I'm like, what? Don't mess up my little visual. But, you know, things change. The Word of God never changes. So we want to pray that they will stand on the truth, no matter what the culture or the legal system says is right or wrong. We need to go back to God's Word. And that leads us to our knees in the relationship with God. So as you're praying for your child's knees, you're praying that they will accept Christ as Savior and that they'll grow to spiritual maturity. We're going to be praying for their humility, their submission to God and and worship, that they'll love Jesus, that they'll enjoy going to church, that they will enjoy a relationship with God. And then finally, we get to their feet. And that is the path that they take. And all through their lives, as we've mentioned, they're going to be making decisions. They're going to go one direction or the other. So we want to pray for the path that they take on any given day and throughout their entire lives. the the path they choose along the way and how they keep in step with God. So that is going from head to toe. As I mentioned, it took us a lot longer to talk about it than it actually did to pray it with the scriptures there. About five to seven minutes a day, you can cover your child with scriptural prayer. It's so
1: empowering as a parent to have this written out for us, because as you had mentioned before— not knowing what to pray. There are times where I'm just like, okay, Lord, just protect him, keep him safe. And that's the only thing I have. And that that's fine. That's wonderful because the Lord knows how he needs to protect them and keep them safe. But man, when you add scripture into this, it's so incredibly powerful. And I feel like just binding, you know, it feels like it's so strong. I'm just picturing a metal and then I'm thinking my head, I don't know the strongest metal I was gonna say. (laughs) Like, I mean, like a diamond, diamond's the strongest thing, but you know, it just binds it so hard. And so it's a beautiful, beautiful tool for us to use in our prayers. I know through just experiences, and not my children are so young, so I haven't experienced this a ton, but there are times in life where you pray a lot, and what is in front of you is not producing the fruit that you have been praying. So you know you're, we're praying for the feet and we're praying that they walk this path and we're praying for their mind, you know, and the, and the neck to make these decisions. Yet everything is showing us that our prayers aren't working and feels like okay, God, where are you? How do you actually just push through and stay the path and continue to pray these prayers and have hope and joy during this time as we go on this journey with our children.
0: That is such a great question and um, it's one that we we've, we've all. and thought about, whether it's praying for our children or whatever we're praying about. One thing that I want to emphasize is that Jesus said, my father is always at work. He is always at work. And even though we don't see answers to prayer like we would like for them to see them and as quickly as we would like to see them, we need to know without a shadow of a doubt that God is always working behind the scenes. There's another book I wrote called When You Don't Like Your Story. And this was a big part of that book. When you don't like the story that you're going through at the moment, God is always working in the meanwhile to make our pain worthwhile. And we go back and we read the story of Joseph and God had made promises to Joseph through dreams that he was going to be a ruler. And yet what happened? Well, his brothers threw him in a cistern and then they sold him into slavery and then he went to Potiphar's house and was a, a slave there. And it says, and God was with Joseph while he was a slave. But then he was charged with an attempted rape, thrown into prison. And it says, and God was with Joseph while he was in prison. And I think Joseph was probably thinking, well, I don't see God. I sure don't feel like he's with me. And this is a, like a 17-year period where all these bad things were happening to Joseph. But God was with him. And look what did happen in the final end. He became second in command to the Pharaoh and ended up saving the people from starvation. But the point is that God was there and he was working. And as we pray for our children and we don't see answers the way we would like to see them, we can know that God is working behind the scenes and these prayers will be answered. Another thing I want to say to you, Erica, is if you go back and think in your own life about the times when you've grown the most spiritually. You just shared with us today about a time when you felt like you were under spiritual attack and the prayers that went up for you and how Susie prayed over you and talked you through it. I imagine you grew exponentially because of that.
1: Oh, I can't even tell you how much. I mean, and that was honestly just a few weeks ago, and I'm I'm still feeling the remnants of that experience. But yeah, I mean, it's so cliche, but you say like, but I wouldn't want it any other way. And it sounds so
0: cliche, because when you're in it, you do not feel that way. No, you do not feel that way. But with our kids, you know, as parents, we tend to pray that they'll have an easy life. We don't want them to struggle. No, you know, we don't want them to be bullied. We don't want all these things to happen. And we don't want them to struggle. But if they never struggled, they would never mature. It would be like seeing that cocoon and cutting it out so the butterfly could come out. It wouldn't know how to fly. It wouldn't be strong enough. So as you're praying for your children and you see to you, it feels like your prayer is not being answered and they are struggling. God can work so much more in our struggle than he can in our comfort and ease. It could be that God is making that child to be who he wants that child to be. And struggle is a part of the process. So he is answering your prayer, but it's not through comfort and ease. It's through that struggle. So don't give up praying. You keep praying. I want to assure you, God is working. I remember when I was teaching my son how to ride his bicycle without training wheels, and we took them off because the training wheels weren't touching the ground anyway. We raised them up, and I'd hold the bicycle, of course, and then as soon as he knew I wasn't holding it, he would fall, Fell, fail, fell. and I said, Stephen, don't give up because riding the bicycle is going to be the funniest thing you do as a kid, but about the 10th time, he threw the bicycle down, and he put his little hands on his hips, and he said, this is not fun, and it will never be fun. And he stalked into the house, and I'm like, you know, welcome to life, kid. <laughs> there are days as mothers you feel like that. You know, it's interesting, this book, Praying for Your Child, i would really literally just thought about this today, is that it's coming out during the Labor Day weekend time. And I thought, you know, how fitting that motherhood starts with labor, because it's going to be hard, you know, right? It's a lot of work. And sometimes you're going to feel like this is not fun, and it will never be fun. But the next day, he came back out on his pajamas, hopped on that bicycle, and he rode around the yard all day long. So I want to encourage you as a mom when you think this is not fun and it will never be fun, that you're going to get through this journey. And one day you're going to look back and you think, that was the funnest thing I ever did. Mm -hmm.
1: So beautiful. Oh, this has been such a fun conversation, Sharon, really. And a a little fun fact for the listeners. I was actually born on Labor Day. So my mom always. That is hilarious. (laughs) Yes, I know. And so we always throw that around when we're talking about it. It's kind of fun. My birthday is always on a holiday weekend, or usually some years it's not. But yeah, it's always very nice to have that long weekend. Fun
0: fact. I love that.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it has been wonderful to have you on. I want to give you an opportunity to share how the listeners can get your book and then also how they can connect
0: with you. Okay. Well, um, I got a picture right here. You might put it in the show notes, but it's praying for your child from head to toe. and As you mentioned, it's very beautiful. It makes a great gift. And it has color inside, so it's very pretty. They can buy it anywhere where you would buy books, Amazon, Christian Book Distributors, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. You can also get it on my website, which is SharonJanes.com. And my last name is kind of odd. It's J-A-Y-N as in Nancy, E-S. So SharonJanes.com. And I also have something I'd love to give the listeners today. If they go to SharonJames.com and there's a section at the top that says free resources, I have a brand new resource that they can click on and download on praying for your child's teacher from head to toe. So they can print that out and pray for their children's teachers this year. So lots of goodies on the website that are free. And I have a weekly devotion that comes out on Tuesday. They can sign up for that as well. You can visit there, go to any of your favorite stores. Wonderful. Well, Thank you, Sharon. And just one more
1: question for you. You seem like a woman filled with joy. So I'm really interested to hear your
0: answer. But what brought you joy today? What brought me joy today is talking with you. It has been so much fun and just seeing what you're doing and getting to connect with you and seeing someone with an almost two-year-old and a just turned five-year-old digging deep and just being a great mama. It just really has brought me joy today.
1: Thank you. Well, you brought me joy too. So I appreciate you and I appreciate you being on. Thank you so much. I hope you're feeling equipped and empowered to embrace the incredible power of prayer in your role as a parent. Remember, prayer is not about control, but about surrendering to God's perfect plan for our children's lives. I encourage you to grab a copy of Sharon's book and make these powerful prayers a daily habit in your life. Let's continue to trust in God's goodness, love, and wisdom as we journey alongside our children, praying for them head to toe. I'm so grateful you spent time today listening to this episode. If you were encouraged by what you heard, share the love with other women you know and send them the link to this episode. Just think how many more women could be blessed with faith-inspired encouragement. Love and prayers, Erica. Congrats on saying yes to a life filled with joy and Jesus. If you want more, head to faithinspiredpodcast.com for show notes and links to all the resources mentioned in today's episode. Be sure to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform to stay faith-inspired. And remember, faith is not just a belief, it's a lifestyle.